Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Different creative types, how they do their thing, how they hang in there and keep going. That's what I love to talk about. Today my guest is a writer and producer. His name is Sean Dwyer. He co-wrote and co-produced a film that is out on Netflix for the holidays. It's called Holiday Rush. Um, and I love talking to him about the whole Christmas movie Gold Rush and what's going on with that. He also made a short film during COVID uh, called Half Husband. It was fun to hear about how he made that happen. So that's the interview. But before we get to that, uh, the mismatch game is coming back to Zoom for three Saturday shows this month for the holidays, December 5th, 12th, and 19th. It's our Zoom for the Holidays edition. I know a lot of places have tighter lockdowns now. That's definitely true in Los Angeles. So if you're looking for some escape, some laughter, some fun, come and watch the Mismatch Game on Zoom and come back every week because they're not right next to each other. So you can have a bunch of laughs one Saturday and then come back next week for more. So you can learn about that at lalgbtcenter.org. I believe it's also on Eventbrite. You can find the Mismatch Game on there. It's 15 bucks. It benefits the LA Gay and Lesbian Center. You get to laugh. Uh, we've got an amazing cast of actors. Different show every week. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So check that out. We're also doing virtual game nights. We're booking up for the holidays. But if you want to have a fun gathering with people that you love that is safe and you don't have to worry about what to say, the game sort of takes care of everything, I am see it, go to youdon'tknowmylife.com. Also, it's a great boxed gift for the holidays, too. You can buy a game and have it sent anywhere on Amazon. Check that out, youdon'tknowmylife.com. All right, that's it. Here's Sean Dwyer. Joining me now via Zoom, it's Sean Dwyer. He is a writer and a producer, and he has a holiday movie on Netflix called Holiday Rush. Hi, Sean Dwyer. Hello, everybody. <laughs> You're so welcoming us into this holiday season. You're making me feel more Christmassy because I watched your movie the other day and I really enjoyed it. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I mean, we really did have such a beautiful time making that film. It really came together so well. The casting was great. I mean, just, and the story is so nice because it's a very sweet story with a little bit of emotion, a little bit of funny and that's like kind of our sweet spot. So. Right. How would you, you co-wrote the film and co-produced it with Greg Cope White, who has been yes. a previous guest on this podcast. Uh, he had a book called The Pink Marine that we talked all about. Yes. Um, you guys worked on that together. Tell the audience, tell my listeners the basic you know plot of your movie, what it's, a, what, what it's about. Okay, it's about a uh, single dad who is a DJ at a New York radio station. And... Um, and he gets fired right before Christmas, and he has three very, four very spoiled children, and he has to kind of teach them, like, that Christmas isn't just about superficial things, that it actually, you know, they can't afford stuff, and they are gonna, they're going to feel for the first time in their lives. And it's also him trying to put his life back together after he's fired, and he slowly falls in love with his long-term producing partner. And it's a very sweet story. And it's all capped with Darlene Love. Music legend Darlene Love plays the aunt in the film and sings a brand new version of Christmas Baby, Please Come Home in the film, too. And has an amazing outfit change. 
and yes, just brings yes, it. Absolutely a reveal. I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> you have Darlene Love there at the end. Um, my roommate loves Hallmark movies and we watch a few of them here and there. And uh, what I have to tell you, nothing really bad ever happens in any of those movies. It's this yeah. it's very like is the is the ice dancing thing gonna happen or is this gingerbread house gonna crumble? But your movie <laughs> actually has drama. Like things yeah, actually yeah, we happen. Deal with, we deal with parental loss. Yeah. And we deal with the fact that, you know, these kids are still it's it's a few years later, but they're still kind of trying to move on from that. And and it is part of the, I mean that's what makes it I think so special is that it's that they're not just superficial kids but they're actually been dealing with a lot of stuff in life and their father's trying to been kind of been it's kind of been his fault because he's been he's been like giving them stuff to try to get them to feel better and maybe they need to deal with it a little more emotionally. Yeah, if there is a Christmas movie formula out there, this sort of breaks a lot of those things that I've gotten used to just kind of watching superficially on Hallmark or Lifetime or whatever. Like, Yeah, it, we it, tried to dig a little deeper than a Hallmark movie would, yes. Yeah, which I really appreciated. Yeah. How did this start? How did this come uh, about? Okay, so, um, <laughs> uh, you, know, we were, you know, we were thinking about Christmas ideas, and, and basically, you know, there was a DJ that's also a single father out there. So I, I forgot what his name is, but I just saw that, and I'm like, well, let's look at that. And, you know, a lot of it also comes from uh, growing up. Christmas was really special to my family, and Christmas traditions were special. And and so it was kind of taking that story that, that I saw about a, a single dad DJ with kids and putting it into this Christmas thing. And it was actually, it's really cool because we shot the film like 20 minutes from where I grew up. That's amazing. And where and where where is that? We shot it in Douglaston, Queens. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, and I grew up right in in on Long Island, right outside of Queens. So, I mean, literally, like four four exits on the LIE, <laughs> and you'd be at my house. So that was kind of cool. So that also brought something into it too, because it was very it was very New York and very uh, and it's interesting because we shot a movie in New York that's not set in Manhattan. It's set in. Brooklyn and Queens. Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Your lead actor is from a show that I love, A Million Little Things. Um, Romney Malco. Yeah, he's so appealing. Um, oh. How did you come to cast him? How did he come to be in the movie? Well, it's amazing because, uh, you know, we were, um, we finished the script. Netflix loved it. They wanted to go for it. And we literally, our first choice was Romney. Right, and we sent the script out of out to him without a director attached yet, and he said yes. How were you familiar with him? Because this might have happened um, before. I was familiar with him because of Forty Year Old Version and all those all yeah. the comedy movies he had done, and uh, and I just saw something in him that you know he's very he's very so great on his feet, you know. Yeah, and you can see that in a lot of those movies that it was a lot of improv and stuff. But that that and he just to me he had a warmth to him as well, yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. Whenever I see him, I you can see that the edges of him uh, have a warmth, you know. Yeah. And he seemed perfect for it. And literally, first choice, and he said yes. <laughs> so that now, was a pretty amazing thing. It's a it's an African American cast, and he's a DJ at an urban radio station. Yeah. Was that always what what it was conceived to be, or did it, it evolve? It was conceived to be an African American film. Yeah. Um, yes, that's how it was conceived. 
Um, and, you know, we, we brought in a, a African-American director to work with us because, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I know I'm white and there's no doubt about that. Right. But, but I, you know, I know how we, Greg and I know how to write human characters and that's what we yeah. were doing. But to bring it to the screen, we did surround ourselves with people that we had a black director, we had a black music composer, we had a female editor, which was cool. Our yeah. whole, our whole, uh, our whole crew was, our, our crew represented the film. So our crew was 65% female or people of color, you know? So it's like, we tried to surround ourselves with our makeup heads, our hair heads, all those people were, were, you know, were better suited for the film. They really kind of brought so much extra stuff into the movie. Well, it looks really good too. It doesn't, yeah. sometimes these holiday movies on cable or whatever look mm. like, that they're really like using the same tree in every shot, or you know what I mean? Like, so it, it, <laughs> I've made a couple of those movies, but the same tree in every shot, right? So this, but... this had like a this had like a scale to it, and then like a production value yeah. to it. So, so we really did try to keep that because there's some great scenes in Long Island City where you see the city in in the back of it, I mean, you can't buy, you can't you can't trade anything for that kind of look, the production value that we were able to get. You know, and it's great because we were shooting in Queens, so you see all of Manhattan in the distance. Like, it's almost, like, unobtainable to right. from their lives and stuff like that, which was kind of nice as well. What time of year are you shooting a Christmas movie? We shot that movie in uh, end of March, beginning of April. Right. And, and so... That's that, you know, it's like, it's like those little flowers were coming out of the dirt, like, too soon. We had to, like, CGI a couple of flowers out of shots and stuff. We had a good... Like, it wasn't freezing, but it was cold enough that everybody could be in the spirit. Right. But, uh, but yeah, and, uh, and you know, it's like quintessential New York when you're trying to decorate a block in the city in March. Right. You know, New Yorkers aren't, uh, you know, they tell you what they think right away. Yeah, they, 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 they don't need you there stringing lights in so, March. So we had to CGI some houses, and some houses helped us out. Yeah, I appreciate that. Christmas music. Yes. Did you have anything to do with getting it? or Because I hear it's harder uh, to get than you think. Just, we had so much. We actually, uh, you know, we wrote this script. to We wanted Darlene Love. There was something about Darlene that I just love so much. I grew up watching her on David Letterman every year. And she is just someone that I've always loved. And we wrote the script to to kind of get her cast. We, I didn't even know her or if she would do it. But we wrote the song into the script. Right. We actually secured the rights to the song before a frame of the film was shot. Right. So, and then uh, the most amazing thing happened is that uh, our music supervisor, uh, Jerry Gershman, is just knows how to put things together. So we wanted to record a new version of Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. Right. So while, right before we started shooting... I think it might have been after the first week of shooting. It was the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in New York. And so, and Stevie Nicks was being inducted. So he called Stevie Nicks' backing band. And they came into the studio that weekend and laid down the new track. And Darlene came in and recorded it. And we re recorded this at uh, Electric Lady Studios, Jimi Hendrix Studio in New York. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life to see all that come together. That's and, amazing. Uh, I know, I know. So we, we recorded that original song for that. And there were a couple of other original songs that we recorded for the film, too. 
uh, there was a new version of Joy to the World, and uh, and there was one other one I can't remember, but it was just it was amazing that we got to get almost everything we wanted, yeah, as far as music, and it's because of Netflix. Netflix is fantastic about that. They want to do that. They want to put a little extra into that, you know, to really make the film look bigger. Right. Well, it certainly had that. And I, as I said, yeah. I've been watching Hallmark movies, so it, this yeah. was like, oh, this is different. This is, <laughs> this is not that. Yeah. Um, Darlene loves a good actor too. She is. She. She. You know. She's. A, she's. In a, I mean, she is an incredible, incredible presence. Yeah. And and just you know just getting that on screen, she had a couple of great lines that we gave her. She really acquitted them well. But then you know when she sings, when she's on stage, that presence is just overwhelming. What's it like working for Netflix? Um, Netflix is they're really great. We did two movies for them last year, so uh, you know we got a couple of other things. Hopefully that will go once you know this <laughs> COVID is right. over. What's or the other like movie that you did with them? Uh, it's called Walk Ride Rodeo. Oh, cool! Is it? And that and was out? a biopic that that came out in March of last year. Right. And that uh, that was a biopic of a woman named Amberly Snyder, who was a who was a uh, top amateur uh, barrel racer, rodeo barrel racer, who got in a truck accident and became paralyzed. Wow! And through sheer force of will and confidence. She managed, she'll never walk again, but she managed to get back on a horse and strap her legs to the side with Velcro and wear a truck seatbelt on the saddle to keep holy her in. Sh- holy and then crazy. she started riding, she started roping, and then she started competing again. Is, is it up now on Netflix? Now, it's look- on Netflix as well. It's called Walk, Ride, Rodeo. Wow. Yeah. So you got to learn about that world as well. I know. And, and when I wrote, when we wrote that script, we knew nothing about the rodeo world, but we knew this incredible human story was there. So we went and researched the hell out of it. Amberly, we met with her many times. We went into her house in Utah and stayed for a few days and kind of just, you know, learned the world. Yeah. Um, I've known you for quite a while. Um, yeah. What's it like to to be making these movies? Because I know you sort of hustled for a while, and it didn't happen right away. Uh, it did not happen right away. I mean, that's the whole thing with you know showbiz careers kind of have some kind of you know <laughs> craziness to them. Right. I mean, I started as you as you know, I start I was uh, Norman Lear's driver was my first job. I drove Norman Lear to work every day. Then they up working in development at his company. Then went to Warner Brothers with Yvette Bowser, created a living single and did development for her company, then was trying to write for a while, then kind of left the business for a few years, then came back and started, uh, you know, I worked at Lifetime for a while in in, uh, in making these co-production movies and then started making them for Lifetime. So, you know, we did about a dozen Lifetime movies before we started to branch out. Right. And then you've got this company... Your company's called Pope Prod. It's called Pope Prod. Why did you call it that? Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, when, when you want to get things done, you got to poke and you got to prod. Right. And it, and we thought, it, you know, I like the way it looked, too, with the two words and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but that's how, I mean, that was the initial thought of the poking and prodding. Do you ever have to send an email that you don't want to send and you're like, well, I am Pope Prod Productions. I am going to have to send. I guess I'm going to have to send. That is my brand. Right. Yes. Oh, I mean, yeah, you got to do that sometimes. But I mean, the whole thing is, 
So we started, I mean, we started this company in 2012. We've been in business eight years and that, and, uh, Holiday Rushes are, uh, or half the, the new project is our 18th project. Wow, that's fantastic yeah. that you guys have been making this happen. Do you like being on the set and dealing with all this stuff oh, day to day? I love it. So, I mean, that's that's where I feel the most natural. I just love being on set. And because our company, we kind of, we do, you know, uh, Greg and I write. Uh, my producing partner is Elizabeth. She, We do all the producing, the physical producing, the, right. everything like that, the budget, schedules. And it's like, so... I just, I love both sides of it. I love to create and then I love to produce too. Yeah. Like my favorite thing is breaking down a script into a schedule with the AD and getting that done. It's like, I love that kind of thing. And the, being on set is just the most amazing thing to see it all come together and everything, work with the director on getting everything done, all that stuff. Now people are going to watch Holiday Rush on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, what was your favorite day of shooting and what day was like, oh, this is, this 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 was not <laughs> a great favorite day. day of shooting. Um, there is a scene with father and son uh, along a park in Long Island City that really overlooks New York. Yeah, and is the most glory right under the this really iconic famous Pepsi sign, and uh, and that just I when that whole day it was a really difficult day, but man, we were just watching the monitors like we're getting so much great stuff here. Yeah, really, just a thrill, and and also Darlene's performance day was just tremendous. Those were the two best. The hardest thing was we, you know, the family has to downsize in the movie a little. It's not giving too much away. Yeah, but we had to shoot in a much smaller house for a couple of weeks. Right, and that was very difficult to maneuver around a small space while still having, you know places where we could sit with the monitors to watch what was going on. We ended up sitting outside in the cold mostly, yeah. but uh, yeah, the, when we were shooting in the small space, that was the hardest thing. I love that. Um, talk to me about Norman Lear. He's um, a hero. God, I mean, he's, he's an icon. What, yes. what was it like driving for him? And then how was your, <laughs> how was your relationship evolved? Okay. So, um, you know, it's so funny. Uh, he, God, he's just such an important part of my life. He really was. Amy still is. I still see him. Um, I got that job just because I was working on another project that the producer knew him. And, and basically, the minute I sat down with him, we talked for five minutes, I kind of knew I had it. You know, you right. get that feeling that you're like, okay, we're going to get along. Right. And within the first month or two, he handed me a script for notes. Uh, he, helped, he asked me to produce an event for him. In New York, you know, and and then within, nine, I drove from about nine months, and then I moved into development at his company. So, uh, I mean, he just opened so many doors for me. He gave me my first writing job. And what, uh, how has he inspired what kind of person to be? Like, I, I'm sure you admire him, and I'm like, I need to try to be like him in this way. Yeah, I mean, when I look at him, I see him as a, a man of like great humanity. And, you know, and, and someone that also, you know, I got to see behind the, <laughs> behind the, behind the closed doors right. and he's really not much different, you know, right. He is, he is a very generous soul. He is a, um, you know, you aspire to, I aspire to him because of, of the way he looks at the world and, the and his humanness. I mean, that's just, and, and to, for someone to, to, to get so much or go through so much in his life and have so many good things and still keep, you know, a basic humanity to himself, I think is a really special thing. 
And um, to keep hustling and creating and staying and in keep it. hustling. You know, it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's, it's odd how generations work. Because when I worked for in development, we had phenomenal ideas, phenomenal things going. But it was one generation removed from his success, and people looked at him a little bit differently. Right, like Where he hadn't had a hit in a while. Right, it wasn't his it, was glory, like, it wasn't his glory days. It was post glory. It wasn't days. his glory days, and it was like almost a generation removed from his glory days, where the people that were in power looked at him as someone that was kind of right, a little bit done, maybe. Yeah, and then the next generation comes in, and they see him as this icon right and they only want to raise him up right and seeing that has been just so glorious to watch him in his 80s and 90s being like raised up into to and to start creating again and being creative again i mean i know that he's having the time of his life when i see him you know you (laughs) i've seen him so many times where you know that camera hits him and he lights up right and it's like it's like the, it's happy place, and it's so great to watch. Well, it's amazing what he's achieved and how he's impacted the industry and, and people. Yeah, yeah. How many I cute mean, little really? hats does he have? Does he have a bunch? Of cute hats? <laughs> he has a whole. He has stacks of them. Stacks. So it's not like a three or four that he rotates. <laughs> no, no. There are there are several hats. There yeah. are several hats. They're made. They're made by this haberdashery company in, in France, and oh. they they were stacked in his closet. I, he doesn't get the cheap stuff. He goes to France no. for the perfect hat. I love that. Um, what is your writing process like with Greg? Do you guys sit in a room together? Um, Greg and I, uh, you know, we try to write almost every day. Right. And it's in the morning from usually about from 9 to about 12 or 1, kind of a good four-hour chunk. And we do it over Skype. We see each other's face. We write every word together. Um, you, we might switch over who's, who's typing and who's not, Right. but it's like for us seeing the reaction of an idea in real time is so much better than writing a scene and sending it and doing all that stuff. We literally do write live. I love it. So you, are you only on Skype because of COVID or are you, is that how you're Well, working? you know, it's so funny because, uh, cause, uh, you know, he lives in Santa Monica. I live in like West Hollywood, right near West Hollywood. Right. And he used to come to the house but then it was like that's it was like 45 minutes to an hour and then we found actually that we work better over skype because there's less uh disruptions yeah there's less distractions yeah 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 it's almost like when you're on camera you gotta work yeah (laughs) you know and i think that's probably how with with covid they're finding zoom is a very productive thing just because people are focused right now you've made a short film that has not come out yet or hit festivals yet it's called half husband and you sent me a link. It's really charming and funny. It's it's a how would you describe the the log line in a line or two? <laughs> Half husband is about a gay man and a straight woman um, who have not been lucky in love, have just like kind of you know found that they're soulmates and they want to have a child together and they want to get married together. Right. They, they want to like, be married let's and do have, this. A, have a child. And let's do this. And it's like, fuck labels. Yeah. You know, let's just do this because it makes us happy because we are happier together than we've ever been with someone else. And I know it doesn't include sex, right. but there are so many more things in life that, you know, can, you know, there's a line of thing. It's like uh, where where the, the main character's mother goes, uh, like you're going to be sexless in this thing. Well, and it's just, Oh, well maybe it is a marriage then. <laughs> exactly. Like, like after a while, a lot of marriages aren't exactly 
you know, that that's just a natural thing that happens. Yes. Um, so it all, this all came about because um, I live with my straight producing partner. We have a home together. We have a company together. We, you know, we, we, everything is commingled. We have a relationship together. So we kind of like, we are, the, I mean, the, the impetus for the whole project was our relationship. Yeah. Well, and uh, we've lived together for over 10 years now. It's very charming and clever dialogue. But what surprised me, um, you mentioned before we started recording, you shot all of this during COVID. Yes. And there are scenes with actors where you see them in the same room and they were not shot that way. Yes. So this is it. So we're going through the summer and we're white knuckling it through COVID because we can't be creative. We can't get anything production. And, uh, and we're just like, we don't know what to do. I needed to, we need to be creative. So there's a pilot that are, that Greg and I wrote called half husband. We had a full pilot. Right. So what if we take this pilot and we shave it down to a good 13 minutes, you know, 12 or 13 pages to try to get the essence of what that pilot is. And then we can, you know, we, our, our thing was like, let's put it into film vessels, but also use it as a selling tool. Right. With Smart. the script. And so the whole thing was, and it's good because we, uh, Elizabeth and I have big production backgrounds that we're able to go, well, how do we do this during this? And, and, and so we didn't have a big budget, but we did work with SAG. And we work with SAG and we, we kind of consulted with SAG of how do we do this in our, like, you know, we know we're not, we're not Spider-Man or the Avengers where they like, you know, put a whole crew in a bubble right. for, for months. And, uh, and so Elizabeth worked out a plan with SAG where, where everything would be great if the crew, we shoot one actor at a time and the crew and the actor are never in the same room at the same time. So we would set up each shot and then the crew, the crew is only a sound person, a cinematographer and myself. We'd leave, put the actor in. If we had to make adjustments, they would leave. And then we would make the adjustments. They'd come back. We had a remote camera so we can operate the camera from another room. And, uh, and we actually, you know, we have a, we have a, like an Airbnb rental in Venice, a beach, a little beach bungalow. So it hadn't been used for four months because of COVID. So we had like the cleanest environment to shoot it in too. Right. So we actually shot in our house in Venice. Wow. That's and, uh, amazing. And the amazing thing is there are several scenes where both actors are in the scene together. And that was all done by, by locking the camera down, shooting the scene with one person, and then a week later shooting the other side of the scene. I love and that. And it just, you know, and it's amazing because through the DP and his measurements and locking the camera down, and we were able to keep tape on the floor for a week because we own the place. <laughs> and right. then, and then, uh, and then this, okay, so this DP showed me this trick like years ago about shooting a composite shot like this. He's like, set the shot, take a piece of tracing paper, put it on the monitor and trace everything in the frame. So that the next week we came back, we put that tracing paper over the frame and matched it. Very cool. And then when we when we went to post production, we just put the frames together, and they were there. I love it. What now, did the it other mean... thing was is that what? Go ahead. Okay, I was just going to ask you, what did it mean to you to have something creative to do during this time? Oh my god, it was it was the greatest thing in the world. It kind of like I think it really kind of saved the three of us, Greg, Elizabeth, and I, because we were really just 
itching to do something, you know? Right. And the fact is, is like, you know, from that moment, from the moment we started this, this is the moment I started to do walks, start to work out again, start to like, it's almost like it kind of gave me a little shot to, to start life again, almost. Right. It gave you that but, boost that, that resonated yeah. throughout all your life. Yeah. Because the first few months you're just like, oh God, we're just sitting here. We right. were just sitting inside, you know, looking out the window. <laughs> um, back to your Netflix movie, Holiday Rush. Uh-huh. There aren't ratings really with Netflix or how do you know if people are responding? Like, what do you hear? Um, you know what we get, we're not supposed to share it, but we get, we get, we get ideas of how it's doing. Right. You know, we knew that, you know, it premiered in November of last year. Right. And we knew that, uh, throughout Christmas, the top two new movies on Netflix were, uh, the Irishman and our movie. Well, you know, what a double so, feature. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. So for the first, I know for the first two weeks, we were one and two. That's exciting. So we you did, and Scorsese. I know. Right. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> but uh, so they do give you some little yeah. kind of indications. And now they've put the top 10 on the website yeah. itself. You start to see yeah. things more and more. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's just interesting. Their model is so different. Um, what do you What do you got going on now? Is there something you're looking forward to? Or are you just um, trying to well, you know, weather we're the pandemic? So, so Half a Husband, we are going to do a release in January. We're going to find a way to maybe do a Zoom premiere right. or something that kind of launches it. We we kind of we were out to a lot of film festivals. We heard back from some were waiting on others, and uh, we decided we're just going to kind of launch it. And through that launch, we're hoping that people see it and want to read the script. Yeah, and, and that, see, that it leads to more we, and, and the Bible for the series and stuff because that's what we have. We have you know we have everything ready to go with it, and we we're just trying to give this little window of. Film festivals to see if we yeah. get in any before we kind of bring it out to the world. So January, we're kind of ha- going to have some kind of launch. I love it. Well, you have a terrific cast. Matt Dallas, who's adorable. Yes. And Matt I- Dallas was in Kyle XY years ago. Right. And then, uh, and the reason, we, it's, it's so interesting because uh, the reason we found him and our casting director, Don Carroll. I know Don, Actually kind yeah. of presented to him to us. And uh, it was these set of YouTube videos that he and his husband shot. Uh, Matt and his husband live on a farm in Arizona. Nice. With their, with their six-year-old child, or I think he's a little older now. But, uh, and they're sweet and wonderful about this kind of the relationship they have on their farm and stuff. And I, that's where I saw in him that he was that person. And he came out to L.A. to do it during COVID. He, he actually stayed in the in our beach house in the bedroom, and we shot in the living room. <laughs> I just love so, the resourcefulness of it. And I love your female lead. Uh, Amanda Payton. So Amanda good. Is amazing. Amazing. So we <laughs> found Amanda a few years ago for actually another Christmas movie we did um, called uh, Miss Me This Christmas. And, uh, and we wanted her for a big part in that film, but... The network we were working for wouldn't okay it, but we were. So she played a smaller role in that film, but we always remember her. She's dynamite. She and you had Sherry Shepard as the mom, who's funny and, and charming. Sherry Shepard is is her mom, uh, and she is Sherry's amazing. We've done three three movies with Sherry. I love it. Yes, I, and Sherry's our little good luck charm because when when in doubt, you know, it's like we we've had this. We started. Um, we did a movie called Gene the Joneses. Right. Gina Joneses was uh, writing, directing a view of Stella McGee, who went on to do 
everything, everything, and the photograph. Like, she's really fantastic. Yeah. And we cast her in that, and Sherry and I got along so incredibly well on the set. It was just beautiful. And then the next movie we had was Walk, Ride, Rodeo, and we needed this chunky supporting role of this nurse at the facility where this where this uh, woman goes when she gets an accident, and Sherry came for that, too. Love it. Yeah, and and this I sent her the script and I said we're gonna try to shoot this. You know, we could we could get around your schedule since we're shooting people uh, one at a time. Speedily. And she within a half hour she's like, "When are we doing this?" <laughs> I love it. That's so great. That yeah. is so great. Um, it seems like with the popularity of Christmas movies, there are a lot of writers that are like, "That's where that's like a gold rush to Christmas movies," right? Yeah. What do you think about that idea and what advice would you have for people? And is it, is um, it as open as a, is the demand there for people to kind of crack I mean, that? I think the demand is there for Christmas movies. Um, for me, I think we did this movie because it was a compelling story for us to tell. Right. You know, it's like almost like we weren't looking to do a Christmas movie, but the, you know, between the story we thought of and the need at Netflix, it just came together. And it, it, and I have to say, it didn't have that feeling of like you were ticking the boxes. There's a cupcake well, yes, pageant. Tried to, yeah, you know, there's to. A, she doesn't like the big city. She likes a small town. Or like yes, it didn't have that cookie cutter feel. Ailing family's bakery. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. So it, it had a feeling of like, oh, this is, this feels different than these yeah. cookie cutter ones. But yeah, and that's really what we you know what we tried to intended to do to give a movie that had not only. Uh, because you don't see family dynamics in a lot of those films, too. Well, you and know, I, I also think people can relate to thinking they're secure in a job and finding yes, out they're not. That too. I think that's very that's a big thing. And things compelling. can change on the like with loss yeah. of of you know of a wife or a job, it can turn on a dime. Yeah, yeah, your whole world goes upside yeah. down. Yeah. Um, you. It seems like you are living what you always wanted to be doing. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Is it I mean, what you thought it would be? Uh, it is, yeah. I mean, you know, it's so funny because, you know, when you when you own a company like this, we always call it an equal mixture of freedom and fear. Right. You know, <laughs> you're like the highs are high. And then like, you know, you know, even with COVID, we had one project kind of closed before it started. You know, it was kind of like, ugh. But it is exactly what I've wanted to do my whole life, and I am living the dream of what I want to do, which is pretty amazing. I love it, and it's not that different than what you thought it would be, or is no, it? no, no, no. It's 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 better probably, and because of the way we're structured, I get to be part of it from the very first uh, start of an idea to the to the premiere of the film. Yeah, I you love know, it. and that's like there's nothing like that to be involved in every single aspect of the movie. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Final question. What's something you would love to do? What's a movie that you would love to do? Or Movie that I would love what's to do. What's your dream oh. project or dream gig? <laughs> oh, my God. Ah. You know, just there's so many in my head right now. You know what? I have uh, a better final question. I don't love my final question. No, no. I'll, I'll answer if you want. What? Go ahead. I'm going to give you a different one. Um okay. Final question. Did you steal anything from your Christmas movie for your own home so you don't have to pay for decorations? No. <laughs> no. No, I don't think we did. 
That's just a lot of self-control. You know, it's hard because you're in New York. We were in we are on location right. in New York. And uh, the funny thing is we made two low-budget Christmas movies about four years ago right. where we brought all our Christmas ornaments to the set. <laughs> <laughs> it's the flip side, right? We did, we did it the other way. Right. <laughs> but, you know, as the other question, I've always wanted to make a musical. I wanted to make a musical so bad. I love it. You know, I want to make a film musical. And, you know, we developed, for a couple of years, we developed uh, the story of Tammy Terrell. Yes, Marvin Gaye and Tammy said, Terrell. Yeah, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Yeah. And uh, and we, we had fashioned the script almost like a musical, like each song told a section of her life. Yeah. And so we couldn't get that up, but there's still, I would love to do a musical. Some kind of like, you know, whether it's a song told with music, and a lot of our films too have music through them. For sure. You know, and they're a big part of it. But uh, yeah. That's it. All right. <laughs> That's what I'd like to do. Okay, to sum it up, people need to watch Holiday Rush. You mm-hmm. would love to do a musical. And the yeah. difference in working for Netflix is you don't have to bring your own decorations from home. You don't. You don't. <laughs> and they give you a lot of freedom. <laughs> That's so good. I'm uh, I'm so proud of you, Sean. You're crushing Thank it. Thank you so much. That's awesome. People <laughs> should watch the movie. It's festive. Yes. But it actually has gravitas and heart. Yes. Yes, yeah. it's sweet and it's music filled and it's wonderful and I love it so much. I love it. All right. Congrats. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Sean Dwyer. Check out his movie Holiday Rush on Netflix. All right, so this happened um because it's the end of the year. I'm starting to get invitations to screening links for some of the more award movie uh Oscar movie type movies. And I saw a movie that I think might be the movie of the year for me. It's called Nomad Land. It stars Frances McDormand. And she plays a woman who is a widow who lived in this small town in Nevada that was built around this one sheetrock factory. And the factory closes. Her husband dies. And she's just got no life anymore. The town dies. She doesn't have the money to retire. So she lives out of her van And works at an Amazon seasonally when they need her. um, And then travels around for seasonal work. And is part of this community of nomads that's a very real thing. And it was just beautiful. And it wasn't... She wasn't portrayed as a victim. And it wasn't a bitter indictment of our economy. Although that comes through. Um the people that she meets and almost everybody in the movie except for her and David Strathern are real nomads that are living this life. And they're so wonderful. And the way their stories are told, it's just sublime and very moving and very relevant. So keep an eye out for Nomadland. Um, I'm not sure when it's coming out on the different platforms, but I feel like Frances McDormand may get a third Oscar and deserve it. And I really hope they use the sequence where she shits in a bucket as her Oscar clip. All right, that's enough for this week. Catch you next time. Hope to see you at the mismatch game. See you next time. I'm Dennis Anglin. Bye.